Mic check one two one two. Mic check one two one two. Peace. This is the Fire This Time podcast. My name is Sonny Teray. I'm Ikeda G. We so happy to have y'all back here for episode eighty four. And without further ado, I'm gonna pass it over to my brother Ikeda G to welcome y'all officially for this very nice episode we got planned. Well, definitely, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're glad to have y'all with us again. As usual, always like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, let us know what it is. We're on all major platforms. We're streaming. And, um, you know, as usual, we're coming to give you the heat. Um, we had a little heat today, but uh, it's starting to cool down. The sun is going down, so we sort of feeling all right in here. But we're not going to play no games. We're just going to get right on into it. So what we got on the agenda for the uh, day? Yeah, we got we're gonna be looking at uh, the African continent today and just how it's uh, working in uh, to global affairs, uh, but also how, the self determination struggles of the African people is gonna be the focus. Oh, we're and, going and to how the motherland. So some of these European countries trying to either interfere or support. So mm-hmm. we're gonna just take a look at that landscape. You know ah, what I'm saying? Gotcha. But uh, before we get there, Aki, gotta do fire this time, and I gotta give a shout out. To our sister, Shakari Richardson. Oh, yes. For bringing that back to the uh, new Africans here in these uh, borders. Nah. You know what I'm saying? Shakari definitely held it down. You know what I'm saying? I seen the race. Um, you know, she caught a lot of flack, you know what I'm saying, from some incidents in the past and, you know, stereotypes that they wanted to throw on her. But, uh, you know, she took the wig off and. You know what I'm saying? Ran it on out and, and took that. And she slowly, but and really what people haven't been paying attention to is that she's been climbing her way back up. Mm-hmm. She's been winning a lot of races and placing one in a lot of different races around the country and around the world. But she finally, you know, got back there. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes, uh, this is when she qualified for the semifinals. She just won the finals today. But uh, after she won uh, the qualification for the semifinals, she was interviewed about her recent success. And this is what she had to say about a lot of the flack that she caught previously when she faltered earlier in her career, you know, for various reasons. Even though she was, you know, a world-class runner back then, she got, you know, uh, she she was made the face of uh, maybe backwardsness in young athletes for a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh and she bounced, she bounced back in a major way. So this is what she had to say. She said, I'm not worried about the world anymore. I've seen the world be my friend. I've seen the world turn on me. It's time, it's my time to actually do it for myself. And I definitely feel that, you know, on a personal level. She actually, after that, went on to say, I do this for people that look like me that's been through what I went through. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as far as like, she, uh, you know, just, you know, she rec- she recognizes that, you know, she's a leader as yeah. far as a, and a role model, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I love her performance. Those words definitely resonating with me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, yeah, I keep shout, shout out to Shakari. Hey, man, you know what I'm saying? She did her thing, man. And, um, you know, we hold, we hold it down. You know what I'm saying? As I said earlier, the it seems like in that, in that track and field, it's the U.S., Jamaica, and Kenya. Mm-hmm. We hold it down in that. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? She, you know what I'm saying? She, that's sort of like a triumph story right there. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? Because like I said, they did throw a lot of darts at her. She bounced back. She's you know? the world's fastest woman right now. That's what's up. And that's a fact. 
Shout out to Shakar. Yeah. Uh, also, on the 4x4 Mixed Relay, we checked out those highlights. We took home gold there. Oh, yeah. And remember, we was trailing the last leg, and it was a, a, a women that were fit were, were the last leg of this this Mixed Relay. Mm-hmm. We had a sister that was trailing a second yeah. from the U.S. to uh, the white woman from the Netherlands. Yeah. Who was the strongest uh, four, uh, 400 runner in the race Amongst yeah. the women, it, it made it seem mm-hmm. that she was going to dominate that that last leg, and she was. Yeah, she was dominating. But our sister pushed her so hard in the last fifty meters, challenged her so hard that the the woman from the the runner from the Netherlands fell in the la- within the last ten meters. Face shot, fell face first, and we took home gold. And the pace was so crazy, mm-hmm. especially that last lap. Yeah. That uh, it was a world record time. Yeah, yeah. that we end up winning because the the chick from the Netherlands fell. So just show you know always be prepared. I thought some maybe some symbolism there for yeah. if we stay disciplined, yes. Aki. If we stay on our game, we stay disciplined. Yeah, in this fight, in this struggle, mm. our pressure's gonna fall on their face too. <laughs> I appreciate the sermon right there, Key. I appreciate that sermon right there. You know what I'm saying? We definitely been holding it down in the track and field, y'all. We got to give a shout out to the uh, the brothers and the sisters. You know what I'm saying? That's out there been holding it down, you know. Uh, but the black man in general, because we hold that, we hold it down in the track and field. Yeah, no, Noah Lyles with the 100 meter gold as well. So we, we world champ, world track championships. We did our thing. Yeah, yeah, we did our thing. That's what's up. That's what's up. But the only uh, time I show any smidgen of, of patriotism is a very specific form yeah. directed toward our athletes on the world stage, <laughs> our black athletes in the world stage, gotcha, especially. Gotcha, gotcha. Because <laughs> at the current time, we are not uh, competing under the the, uh, the new African uh, independent nations banner in the Olympics. Well, we could dominate in that too, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a dream. That's a dream right there. That's Just paint little that futuristics. Yeah. That's a little futuristics. I like. I like that that image in my mind, Ike. But to the current uh, affairs at hand, um, as y'all been looking, I know y'all been hearing it on the news. You know, West African been in a little, you know, uh, uproar lately. You know what I'm saying? We had a nice little coup that took place there. In Nigeria, or not not Nigeria, but Niger, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's been the but the third coup in the, like the, maybe the last five years mm-hmm. that's taking place in West Africa, and uh, there's been mixed feelings on both sides. Some people support, the people support. There you go, yeah. Um, and then there are the mother guys, yeah, the the others. And uh, this is all playing out in a, in a real funny way, you know what I'm saying? We we getting to see uh, the neo-colonial structure exposed, which has always been exposed, but exposed and uh, having fallout amongst its subjects. I, I've spent at least an hour every day, you know, staying current on this news. Yeah. You know, specifically what's going on on the African continent. Mm-hmm. And I know you spent a lot of time the past week or two as well. Yeah. I'm seeing the same thing that you just said, Aki. The people are supporting. The yeah. people in Niger, Nigeria, mm-hmm. Mali, Burkina Faso, e- even surrounding nations, South Africans. Yeah. I, widespread support amongst Africans for the coup because they recognize that the Niger coup got up out of office. Yeah. Uh, by Zoom, 
Yeah. And because of his willingness to give out resources, African resources to the French. Yeah. And he was from a, a, a minority ethnic group that uh, the people came to be saw that he was just a pawn. You know, put in place, you know, yeah. uh, with French help to do the French bidding. And so it's important to note that it was a military coup that happened in Nigeria, but it was supported and it's still supported by the people. Yeah. And uh, I, there is a difference. You're, you're seeing the, uh, the people support it, the working class, maybe, if you will, mm-hmm. support it. But you're seeing the uh, government class. Yeah. That uh, the class that is the closest to what the West ideologically, yeah, yeah. politically, yeah, stylistically, mm-hmm. culturally, mm-hmm. and all you know, what I'm saying, and all maybe even physically, yeah. <laughs> some cases, yeah. <laughs> in some cases, yeah. Because in, in this, even in this, even in this, that actually plays a part in it too. Facts. Um. Facts. So, oh yeah, you're exactly right. You're yeah. exactly right. I mean, uh, not only is the uh, the new president or the acting president right now of Nigeria uh, a darker skinned African, mm-hmm. uh, but he also represents a more uh, majority ethnic group. Yeah, he's uh, of the indigenous the population of that land. Exactly. Um, Bazoom is from what we would call, or what an African would call, an Arabized. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They reside mostly in the north. Of Nigeria, um, and it's a small segment of their society. Mm-hmm. But um, if you look at the Sahel and it's the French holdings on it, the governments that they've always supported, it's always been governments that came from one of the smaller groups they can manipulate. So that's just what it is with them. So let me just try to for for the listeners. Let me just try to lay out the geography because. Uh, we all know a lot of us in the in the West know about Nigeria. Yeah, in general, that it's one of the most uh, important, I guess you could say, West African countries. I think it's the most populated. It's, it's the most populated, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it holds a certain importance. Not, I think, also just because we we interact with a lot of Nigerians here in yeah. the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so of course there, there's that uh, cultural type of uh, like this education that just comes from those relationships. Yeah. So, uh, Ni- and we like we already said, the Nigerian people are supportive of what happened in Nigeria, which is directly north of Nigeria. Yeah. So, uh, Nigeria is landlocked, as while Nigeria, of course, borders the ocean. Yeah. So, the the ethnic group in the north of Nigeria mm-hmm. is also the a, a dominant e- ethnic group of southern Nigeria. Yeah. This is also where the new president and leadership mm-hmm. of uh, Nigeria comes from. Hasa Fulani. Exactly. So you can think on an ethnic basis, northern Nigeria would never uh, uh, take up arms against Nigeria for this. You know, yeah. for installing a government that is more focused on Africans and their betterment than your, than France, yeah. right? And, and I say this because of an organization called ECOWAS. Yeah. ECOWAS. So it's uh, an acronym, uh, E-C-O-W-A-S, and it stands for the Economic Community of West African States. Mm. This is an organization that was began in Nigeria in 1975 by uh, a group of West African states for the purpose of, you know, solidarity and the econ- and economic uh, maneuvering. Yeah, trade. And, and of course, on that. the surface, I, you know, I'm not opposed to that. Uh, yeah. Unless it... 
is bent towards the Western, uh, what the West wants. Yeah. And I bet that is the case mm-hmm. because of the other hand of ECOWAS. So on one hand, they do the trade. On the other hand, it's peacekeeping, right? Yeah. Supposedly keeping democracy mm-hmm. uh, for alive in West Africa. That's their, their, their so-called mission, right? Yeah. So in doing this, they have opposed and even suspended West African states like Mali, Burkina Faso, Nigeria now, also Guinea, for uh, the, uh, in large part, the string of coups that have happened in this West African area. Yeah. Amongst mostly French countries. Yeah. You know, uh, so so now ECOWAS, you know, uh, is, is opposing this. ECOWAS mm-hmm. is claiming now, you know, enough is enough and... We're going to go in and send in a force to oppose this. Yeah. You know, th- there have been peacekeeping forces sent, but I-, I don't believe there's been any major bloodshed. But mm. this, what they're threatening now against Nigeria would be major bloodshed. And that's weird because, like, okay, Nigeria, economically, they dealt more with Britain. Um... The, the Nigeria wants to be free. Mm-hmm. They want to be free from the economic holds. And the ECOWAS, ECOWAS, they sort of maintain that. Like we said, they come with those Western interests. Those Western interests are backed by you know, United States, France, um, and other European powers that seem to want to control and rule over those people. The masses of people on the continent in that area support that because they want to get the European out of there too, you know. And in the process of wanting to get the European out of there, we have to be key in tone on it and and be on point with it, Mm -hmm. you know. But um, we have not the the president of Nigeria is also an important member in ECOWAS. Yeah, uh, he's actually the I think the president. Yeah, exactly. If, if if he's not the if the president of the organization might not be a politician, but as far as the leading uh, nation head, in yeah. the, he's the leading head of nation within ECOWAS. Yeah, I think ECOWAS might have a, a, pre, a, a organizational president. Yeah, if I'm not, I, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, but he's trying to lead Nigeria to the point where Nigeria leads the ECOWAS force against Nigeria. Yeah. So you know, under this context, we can think about how the tensions are building up. And I think De- deadlines would... have already passed. Yeah. That ECOWAS has put on Nigeria to reinstall by Zoom. They said, "No, nah, we about to try this nigga for treason." Yeah. They said they was because they was like shit. They told him that they was gonna be if they didn't have him back in power by the six, they was gonna send troops, and they didn't. But that's going to be hard for you because how you going to rally up troops? See, one thing about governments in West Africa, the military got to be on point. And I mean on point, meaning you got to have the military on point. And and sometimes the people run that military. They don't want this shit. They're like, why are we going to get involved in them kicking out the French? We don't like the French in there anyway. They don't even look at that as an opportunity for them to be able to... Um, even expand you know into it um expand with niger expand the the country you know what i'm saying they're not looking at it in that sense they have been under the control of um the french for a long time niger nigeria is just playing uh, at this 
important point, and I probably might just have to point the finger at the Nigerian president. Um, he's playing the neo-colonials. He worried they coming for his ass next. What we talking about? That's why he trying to. That they 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 don't want to have that set up. Like oh, that, that hey, there you go, Aki. They don't want to have no coops on the land because all of them are fragile. Nigeria is a fragile place. People who who they yeah they they understand they want people. They function, they're very humane towards each other. But that's a fragile piece. You know? Because in that type of turmoil, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, there's the idea of Biafra come back up. And, you know, that was a war that took place. You know, I'm looking at the list of coup d'etats now uh, that's happened in this area. There's actually looked like a failed coup d'etat the 1st of August of this year by Sierra Leone. That's and that was after Nigeria's mm. successful yeah. one. Also important to note, Burkina Faso that has produced the most exciting and inspiring African leader that I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh Ibrahim Traore. Yeah. You know, uh he's the current leader of the country. And what's interesting about that he's the youngest African leader. He's in his thirties, I believe. Thirty five. And uh, that successful coup took place September 30th of last year. Before that, uh, a coup took place in January. Mm-hmm. So if I remember, if I remember correctly, and please double check me on this, y'all, uh, the January 2022 coup, Ibrahim was supportive of and was in the government of. But then later that year in September, yeah. Ibrahim Traore led another coup against that president because. They were not upholding the original values. Yeah. And now he's, uh, you know, he's a wonderful speaker. Yeah. Uh, he stands for the, you know, similar, if not the same values as, as uh, Thomas Sankar before well, him. There's been a lot of talks. His name has been popping up a lot. Yeah. Lately. You know, um, I think it's a generation that has, you know, access to technology and they can go back and look at the remnants of what they were. Mm-hmm. And say like this ain't what the hell this is supposed to be. I and I think uh, the people of all these countries seem to respect him. Yeah, and he also was uh, a, a beacon of, of hope that came uh, out of the the Russian African summit. Yeah, uh, which of course the West hated occurred. Yeah, but this is a summit of uh, nations resistant to the West. And seeking mm-hmm. self-determination, you know, finding yeah. a voice and finding solidarity. Uh, I, I can't help but look at that as nothing but a win for, you know, Pan-Africanism. But it's funny yeah. how you have some, some so-called Pan-Africanists that yeah. are anxious and not as willing to give their support to what's happening in Nigeria. There's a whole bunch of uh, Pan-Africanists that got a whole lot to say mm. about uh, fabrics, uh, music. Yeah. But not a lot to say about self-determination. Because when you talk about self-determination, you talk about having to get active. Mm. You know, um, if they if they truly pan-Africans, they, they should know that neocolonialism was still on the continent. And this should be considered a victory. True pan-Africanists understand that this is a victory right here. Because we're seeing African countries break that remnant of neocolonialism. Like, I like to hear, that's the type of G shit I like to hear. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, and, and listen, they live in the Viva Loca. They like, yo, y'all militaries got to go. 
They didn't already they didn't already dismiss the ambassadors of the US, France, Togo. They like bump all of that. If you if you on that shit yeah, you got I it t- Tell the people what did Ibrahim Traore and these other countries say in support of Nigeria? That what did they tell Ecowas? If if you go in there to Nigeria, what they gonna do? If you go in there, if they told Ecowas if you go in there to Nigeria, right. then we gonna back them. Exactly. All of them other countries, Mali, um, is backing them. Burkina Faso is backing them because guess what? They just kicked the goddamn French out themselves. So the French, they already know how they gonna act. You know what I'm saying? The French is a notorious colonial power. Period. They've always been a notorious colonial. They held the most colonial territory on the African continent. You know, they had pretty much the damn holes to hell. They had Chad. They had Niger. They, they didn't have Nigeria. They had um, Burkina Faso. They had Senegal. They had all of that. You know what I'm saying? So... They have been a thorn in the backs. And they linchpin you. They, they, their neocolonialism is open. You know, the economics that go on in those formerly led uh, French colonies is terrible. They they still operating under the CFF Frank. They can't even come from up under that. You know what I'm saying? So their money is tied to the Central Bank in France. And then it's real fucked up because then France will take that money and put that money on the stock market. So you benefiting the money you spending in your country is benefiting the stock market in France. It's still neocolonialism. They got a right to kick their ass out, you know, and that's what the people want. Right. And I'm I'm tired of the Western Pan-Africanists that are so anxious about Russia that they refuse to lend their support. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because maybe I guess Russia doesn't live up to its communist past. Or whatever type of fantasy, or maybe it's a totalitarian government. They believe the Western media. Yeah. You know, whatever their reason for hating Russia, they hate them so much that they refuse to support Africans seeking self-determination with the help of Russia. Mm. And I mean, I'm I'm saying it because it's it's good. This is only going to grow as far as if the battle line, if what's happening in Ukraine turns into World War III, officially, mm. war's going to break out on the African continent along the, some of these same battle lines we're talking about right now. Same way yes. it did in World War II. Exactly right, Aki. It, that, and that's the point. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have, we need to be concerned about this because at a, you know, at a moment's notice, you know, this could turn into something completely different that, you know, a lot of people is not really aware of or don't, maybe don't they don't think what happened. Yeah. But I mean, right now, Russia's uh, Wagner mercenary group is active in all of these African countries that we're talking about mm-hmm. that are seeking and sustaining their revolution. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, see, and so how do we as Pan-Africanists feel about Niger, Burkina Faso, some of these countries using Russian weapons, potentially using Russian mercenaries to defend their homeland from the West and their African allies? Those coons that would join them. How do we feel about that? I mean, I don't even know, um, because see now, that's the that's the that's the problem that neocolonialism plays on the motherland. Facts. It'll have us put in positions where we have to fight against each other. Now, this ain't nothing new. See, we seen this because this is sort of got to do with how the niggas got here. You know what I'm saying? They would take two tribes that were fighting against each other two different European parties to come in 
Plato's tribe. Nice, new, shiny weapons and shit like that. Tell you whatever little captains you got. Bring them all back to me. And these two European powers will play that power all the way up. You know what I'm saying? And they'll have niggas purposely fighting against each other for these trinkets. Fucking uh, toiletries and and shit like that. They're just new to them, right? Um, now we see it on a different level. You right, Aki. If they fuck around, war pops off in, in Russia, and that's give a question. And I and I, you know me, Aki. I've always been. I've, I've been one of the biggest guys that tell people, listen, because everybody I would hear people always throw up Russia, and I'd be like, listen. Anything we do, we're going to have to do it by ourselves first. You know, but we have to remember Russia ain't never played in the colonial game in Africa. Russia never played in that colonial game. China never played in that colonial game. And what they do have is a solid history of knowing that the people that you deal with has always did fuckery by you. Yeah, China may need some resources. Yeah, Russia may need some resources. Are you willing to pay the going rate? And if you can pay the going rate and pay it fairly, and you seem to be willing to exchange that going rate with for something, you know what I'm saying? We we both benefit from this relationship in a mutual way. I'm not against African countries taking aid from Russia nor um uh, uh, China. Um, or China because you got to remember that's what happened with Fidel. The West. Didn't just didn't, didn't like him because he overthrew they boy, bro. I mean, we're, we're making so many good connections right now, and I, I know this is something we're gonna have to carry on because you're also bringing up the importance of BRICS, yeah, this new uh trade currency that uh Brazil, Russia, India, China, mm. and uh, I forget who the S is, Saudi Arabia, yeah, 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 the yeah. S is Saudi Arabia. Mm. The for like, and I, and I, I'm emphasizing this because of how close the U.S. and Saudi Arabia used to be in terms of the sale of what resource oil. Mm-hmm. We're talking about resources right now. We're talking about nations and how they trade resources. Yeah. So, like, that's so much part of the conversation right now because Saudi Arabia used to be cool. Yeah, we're, we're going to trade our oil. You got to if you want to buy Saudi Arabian oil, you got to do it in the petrodollar. Mm-hmm. Something that was backed up by the U.S. currency. Yeah. That's ending. You know what I'm saying? Like, the geopolitical forces are shifting. So, I mean, yeah. BRICS, like, the BRICS summit is coming up tomorrow. The BRICS summit starts tomorrow, Aki. Mm. Do you know that one over 20 additional nations have applied for membership? Many of them hey, being on in Africa. I mean, man, we got to remember, man, that every nation and every group has this time. And so that's what you got going on. You know what I'm saying? Um, the United States is not the, the, the only thing that keeps them at the number one power right now, if it still has that position, is its military. Mm-hmm. And it has a hell of a network on the planet, you know. Um, but outside of that, yes. It is starting to shift. The geopolitical power is starting to shift to different peoples, um, different areas. Um, it's always been a statement that Africa is the future. 
And when you look at that list of how many resources come out of Africa, you know, and, and, and that's what makes the people of Niger, people got to understand and where these people are coming from, right? They, you know, France gets like 25%, 20%, 25% of like the uranium from Niger. They use that uranium to power their power plants. Mm-hmm. 25% of their power, a quarter of their power, or really a third of their power comes from power plants. But in Niger, them folks damn dear don't have electricity. 85% of the people, they don't have electricity, Aki. It go back to what you said. China and Russia will, will pay the going rate for the resources. Yeah. The West wants to take it over. Yeah. And rule you, strip you of the resources, enrich themselves, and 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 only install tokens that will make the whole nation abide by it. Yeah, they're not going for that, man. They're looking at that and saying that's bullshit. And that is bullshit. Well, how the fuck 85% of your country ain't got no lights, but then I'm making sure that 25% of your power comes from the resource that I'm selling to you at a shitty rate. A deal that was made by your boy, you know, uh, what's his name again? Bazoom? Yeah. Made by Bazoom with the West, you know. Um, this is the shit that these people are tired of. You know what I'm saying? These are the things that these people are trying to fight from. Um, the other big thing that they having to deal with is the France or the French military presence there. You know, um, France got military units set all up in Africa. The United States actually has a drone site in northern Nigeria too. Um, so there's about 1,500 uh, about 1,500 soldiers there on both sides, right? But also they training. They have to they're, they're training that's like a contract with the training that they military that it has to come from France. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they, they sort of holding on to them militarily, economically, and all other types of shit. As we close out the episode, I'm gonna tell you something funny. Just about uh what I heard. Uh I read a news report about how the French reacted to America sending it that ambassador woman mm-hmm. to Nigeria, yeah, to, yeah. to negotiate. Mm. France was not happy that America sent that ambassador. It was a woman, I think, Louise Newman. That's the name of this company. Yeah, and she right wing as hell. Yeah, is that the that might be her name? Check me on that, y'all. Uh, uh, I know you're talking about. She's the undersecretary, a, like she's the undersecretary of state or something like that. So she goes up to Nigeria to the the new government. You know, our brothers. Mm-hmm. And she asked them, you know, how how y'all, you know, about reinstalling Bazoom. And they tell her, fuck no, we're not even considering that. Yeah. We actually about to, you know, try him for treason. We're finna hang this bitch right now. We're finna hang this bitch right now. We're finna hang this nigga in a few weeks. Yeah. Now. And uh, they sent her packing. You know what I'm saying? She she didn't accomplish anything that she wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. But the French were so pissed at America for sending her, for even lending any credence, even that level of credence to the government there. As far as like sending an ambassador to negotiate mm. is lending too much credence and legitimacy to the coup government. That so the, the French is dead set then, right? On uh getting Bazoom back in like these niggas is really meddling in some shit, bro. Bro, like, that's not theirs. Like this, man. Go back to Napoleon. And the good old shout out to the Haitians. You know what I'm saying? First African uh nation state in the West, liberated by slaves. And when they got freed, 
Let me rephrase that. When they whooped the French's ass and sent them packing, the French government at that time, under Napoleon, they was on some bitch ass shit. Tried to put blockades against them economically. People forget that Haiti was the number one sugar producer in the world. All that shit, you sweet shit, you like white people like sugar. The world likes sugar. Black people like sugar. We like shit. Like your tea sweet, don't you? Like your Kool-Aid sweet, sugar. So they was making all that money from that. They boycotted those people economically. To the point that Haiti ended up was still paying reparations to these people. All the way up into the 2000s. Now, you have over here, Macron told them, he said, we'll do what's necessary to protect French entrance. What the fuck is your entrance? It's your tie to those minerals and those resources. One thing Niger got is oil, too. They just ain't really tapped into it yet. And they're building a pipeline from Niger through Benin to the Atlantic Ocean. So those Western powers is definitely trying to get Niger back. Because it is a resource mineral area. It doesn't just have the mineral resources that come from the Sahel. It has the mineral resources that come from the Sahara too, right to the north. The northern half of it is in the Sahara. So you got all of those resources up there too. They are really meddling and shit that they ain't got no business. If the people don't want the French, they let the people keep kick the French out. Equals need to sit they ass down. It's it, it's a matchbox situation, Aki, that can go up in a second, because I think there are many Africans looking at this situation mm-hmm. that are that are they want to do for self. They're yeah. tired of these leaders that are looking towards the West that are mistreated, you know. And I, you know, this could be a situation where you know we see significantly more coups, you know, what I'm saying, and, and the people just saying no more, especially mm-hmm. on the African continent. Uh, and of course, I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, you know, what I'm saying we all hoping that's the case. You know, and it's crazy because you know we in America, we in a time and climate where we didn't even had our own people over here questioning Pan Africanism. But it's never that we've questioned Pan Africanism. You know, we support it. We do. Um, I'm a Pan Africanist myself. Um, I never stopped being a Pan Africanist, and this is a victory for us. Mm-hmm. We. What you're seeing happen right now is what we've been trying to say was still going on. And that's why you don't see the Pan-Africanism that you need to see. Because the continent was still under neo-colonialism. And I'm, I'm with it. I'm hoping that it stay. You know, um, that, you know, the governments do right by these people. You know, um, the current leader, Niger, said, you know, they plan on having uh, national elections. And I don't even think he want to run. <laughs> like, I don't even want to do that. You know what I'm saying? I really go back to being a soldier. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you if you do that, then that means you're not only a leader, but you're righteous, too. That means you qualified to be a leader. You know what I'm saying? And so we just got to support this shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it's weird because, you know what I'm saying, that region is a very significant region. You know, um, for what it's worth, it's also the reason that we have significant biological ties to ancestral yeah. ties to. Yeah, 
I mean, I always tell folks this, and if they don't know this, the Sahel is the gateway and was the ancient road from the east to the west. So, you know, if you want to know where the remnants of those groups on the east went, so look to the west. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's where you'll sort of see they ended up. May not been the direct people, but maybe some of the culture. Mm-hmm. So it's always been that highway. That's how goods got transportation. It was big on economics. So as we wrap up, I just want to just, my last note, you, you mentioned Pan-Africanism. And yeah, I think the best way to be a Pan-Africanist for us here in uh, America is for us to be nationalists, mm-hmm. you know, and, and be serious about it. Because... You know, of course, we we got to support these Pan-African efforts for self-determination however yeah. we can. But we have to recognize politically the best way that we can support them is if we sub- substantiate our claim to nationhood here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And make it real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so we can cease, cease being second and third class citizens within this country. Yeah. And, and have a form of national recognition. And national infrastructure that's all of our own. Yeah. That's the best in that position, we can truly help yeah. uh some of these pan-African self-determination uh struggles. Yeah. As we engage in our own, you know what I'm saying? We need to engage in our own. It's gonna look different yeah. than uh a Nigerian doing it. Yeah. Uh, and all their different ethnic groups, you know, if, if the different ethnic groups that comprise a Niger decide to remain Niger, even though they didn't give themselves them, those borders, yeah, they want to remain Niger and make it their own, then we can look at what we've been given. We might not have been given artificial borders like some of these African nations. Yeah. We've been given other artificial things. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? How do how we deal with those things? It means everything. To our liberation. Hey, I always go back to the good old gospel of Garvey, who would be considered a pan-Africanist, even though he didn't use the words, but he said that our job in the UNIA is to establish governments, nations, governments, and nations. You're exactly right, Aki. It, it was artificial borders and colonialism that disrupted the African. Yeah. For us here, we had to recognize the 14th Amendment yeah. disrupted our trajectory to where we're going. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and how we became U.S. citizens mm-hmm. after slavery when we should have been given a piece of this land here and became new Africans directly after slavery. Yeah. Right? And we have to recognize that you know, we're dealing with that outcome going against us. And we, what we do with it, we're not meant to stay, you know, second class, third class citizens. But, you know, uh, I think in that way, our struggles are linked. And, uh, you know, what I'm saying not oh, yeah. on the aesthetic. You know, we have to look past the aesthetic and make it institutional. Yeah. And if we make it institutional, are we going to be Pan-Africans with white institutions? Yeah. With, with white American institutions? Yeah. Or are we going to be Pan-Africans with our own black institutions? That's the question. Yeah, that's how I go. Like I said. Garvey said it, to establish governments, nations, and institutions. So he gave three three tasks and goals out that translate to the, the African, at that time called the Negro, any situation in. So if you're on your homeland, government, nation. 
if you are in a community and you just a community of Negroes and Africans over there, institutions, government, you know, like, like, this is all what is supposed to be happening. These people are a certain self-determination. I support them a certain self-determination. That's what Pan-Africanism is all about. Establishing yeah. governments, nations, and institutions. Yeah, we, let's reimagine what nationhood could look like for us. I like how you just put it. We know we need some black-only institutions that we create. We all can yeah. accept that. And if I say we need a black government, I'm just saying we need a government infrastructure to a- administer and, and govern those institutions. We need a jural society. You know, so it's not exactly it so we can have a government here in America as new Africans. Mm-hmm. With or without land, true indeed. It's our decision. Government, it's what we do from here on out that's going to decide that. The first thing the government hinges, the first thing the nationhood hinges on is peoplehood. Peoplehood may be devoid of land. The Turkic peoples are people. They are mad different nations, though. Right, and and as this modern world, so-called modern white world, comes to an end. Maybe our job here, uh, because we've been withheld from national recognition, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Uh, and we may or may not get it as America stands. Mm-hmm. But in the belly of the beast, as our Pan-African brothers going through what they go through, we also have the responsibility to disrupt the belly of the beast so much that these tentacles of U.S. imperialism... Mm-hmm. Some of them don't reach as far as they could otherwise. Yeah, and that's why anti-war movement. And unfortunately, and we can end with this. Okay, I know you got to go. Unfortunately, an anti-war movement and this, you know, we it might mean we got to ally with some, some white, some white folks. Okay, <laughs> might have to be. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, uh, we got to stand against this war machine. That's, that's you know, if because if we can forestall this war machine that's trying to defend. You know, uh, this these Western interests, against, you know what I'm saying, in this moment, if we can mm-hmm. hinder them, it could be pivotal. So that's why I think it's important. But, yeah. hey, like I say, nation, government, nation, government, and land. Land is the last thing that comes. First, get the government. Then get the people. Then get the land. That's it. That's all. Peace, y'all. Peace.